Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. February 5th, 2016. I'm Chad Wilson. He's Emil Calamino. And uh, we're here to talk about Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl 50 is what we're on here. And also National Signing Day 2016, which is uh, the Super Bowl for college football. Don't get blindsided by that national championship thing that they play every year. This is the real event every year in college football. So we are here to talk about that with you over the next hour. Emil, how are things going for you? Good. I'm down near you. In, I, I'm in Jeez, South what's with the delay there? Are you all right? Are you underwater? What's everything no. good? No. You, you listen. Listen. You know what goes on down here when people come down. They lay in the sun. They drink. It's early. So I'm on a little bit of a mental delay, but I'll sharpen up as we go along. All right. As long as you're not hungover, I think we can get this show done today. What's in the news? First of all, I do need to let any and all of you know that are listening. The number to call in today is 347-633-9365. Don't be scared. We will uh, treat you the way you're supposed to be treated. Again, number 347-633-9365. If you have a question or comment on anything silly that Emil might say during this broadcast and you're not able to get to a phone, you can direct your comments to us on Twitter. At Gridiron Studs is where you sent your questions, comments, and complaints. And uh, we, will hand, we will handle those as well as we go here over the next hour. Uh, before we get into the two main events here, which is Super Bowl 50 and National Signing Day 2016, let's run through the top headlines, shall we? Just see if you have uh, anything to say about these things. Hey, it's Johnny Manziel. We can't. This guy has received more, I mean twice, three times, the press on stuff he's done away from the gridiron than anything he's done on it. The latest, Manziel allegedly struck his girlfriend in a report that has come out. You know, Amy, you know who he is right now? Johnny Manziel is the Donald Trump of the NFL. And I'm not trying he to is. Trump hits, hits anybody, but from a media attention standpoint, the only guy getting more attention right now than Johnny Manziel is Donald Trump. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, and for all the wrong reasons. And this is what our country loves right now. Uh, we don't want to get into the meat of the issues. We're not trying to solve any problems. We're not trying to advance. We just want um, the likes. We want the uh, attention, any of that kind of stuff. That's what gets the uh, attention of us here in this country, and for whatever reason, that is the case. So we're very little substance. Um, do we want to blame that on the Kardashians, by any chance? Uh, we blame it on ourselves. I mean, the media is just a reflection of society. I will tell you that, you know, it's, it's, you know as far as Manziel goes, I think there's that, that certain uh, car accident type of thing that, that, you know, the rubbernecking. I think people actually are, you know, into that because they love watching someone that's been built up fall, and, um, man, is that guy falling. Right. Um, pretty pretty far. You know, like Trump, though, and it's interesting that you made that comparison, because like Trump, I don't know that Johnny Manziel cares all that much about football. I think he just cares about the attention. I think at some point he will be pushed out of the league because of, um, you know, all of his antics, and he will parlay – some kind of um, attention-getting career after this. You know, I think that's really what he's setting up. Well, for my understanding of his be. background, and I don't know if you know more, but my understanding is that he basically came from an upper-middle-class type of background. Would, would that be accurate? Um, I, from what I understand, he doesn't need the money. Um, you know, comes from a family of money. He'll be all right if the NFL is not a part of his life and he's not collecting 
a check from Roger Goodell or, you know, it, he'll, he'll be okay. And, but above and beyond that, I think it might be a smart thing in this day and age. You know, you don't really have the abilities to be uh, a superstar in this league at the position that you're playing. So why not create a bunch of attention for yourselves? Make, you know, make yourself a household name so that when you are eventually pushed out of the league, you do have a name that you can use to go do any number of things that people in this country find entertaining and you can continue to draw a fairly, fairly sizable paycheck. Well, I would, agree with the, I would agree with that, except that beating women is probably not the way you want to get that name. Would you agree? Uh, no, no, but, you know, it's sad to say he wouldn't be the first, wouldn't be the last, you know, um, and, and, and so I don't know how much that will kill him. People will paint him as a villain anyway. Perhaps he goes and he's a villain in movies. Or, I don't know. I just hey, feel wrestling? like with we can, put, we can put him in pro wrestling. Pro wrestling always needs a villain. I mean, if he looks small on a football field, in the ring, he would look absolutely tiny. Uh, I, don't, oh, I don't know oh, about that. All right. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get him on the juice. We'll, don't worry. We'll pump him up. He could be like Rowdy Roddy Piper. He could be the new Rowdy Roddy Piper. We'll put him in. Probably, Maybe we'll throw him he'd in. probably be small compared to the late Roddy Roddy Piper, to be quite honest with you. You know, in person, some of those guys are bigger than what people care to realize because a lot of them get in the ring with guys that are uh, huge human beings. Uh, moving right along, um, it's Super Bowl week, so the principles that are involved, and that being mainly the two quarterbacks, need to be involved in a whole bunch of stories that have nothing to do with the actual game, so to speak. And so they've been on Cam Newton all week about being a black quarterback and wanting to dance and um, is he the norm, is he professional, all that nonsense we've been listening to all week. Hey, it's Peyton Manning's turn. They won't let the whole PEDs uh, go away, so they're saying Peyton has hired a legal team um, to, I guess, vet the person that put well, it out there that he used PEDs. i got to tell you something. First of all, if Peyton Manning was using PEDs, they didn't work, okay? Yeah, it's uh, not uh, a really good advertisement for anyone that might have been no, thinking about no. it. No, no, he looks like, compared to NFL quarterbacks today, you know, he looks like a mudslide, okay? So, I mean, there's there's no way. You, you, whatever he was using them for, it wasn't lifting a lot of weights, okay? So, I don't know where the story came from. I mean, even a guy who's been tied to them in baseball, like a Roger Clemens, which many people suspected he you know, he basically used them to get through a lot of the hamstring injuries he had as he aged. Mm. I mean, yeah. Clemens was huge. You remember looking at Clemens? I mean, Clemens looked like, I mean, Clemens looked like an NFL tight end when he pitched for the Yankees. Sure, sure. I mean, he'd always not, been a big guy, though. Know? Oh, I know. I'm not saying. I'm saying Peyton's just tall and skinny. I mean, he's not. I don't know where that came from. Honestly, I don't see him. I'll be shocked if that if that story ends up being true. Do you care? Not at all. <laughs> not, not, not in the least. I, I, I don't think it had anything to do, especially in, in you know, football, uh, playing quarterback. I don't think it has anything to do with, with what they do. You know what I mean? If you want to tell me linemen use it because they get, they get ungodly strength, yeah, that helps them more so. I'm not sure where it really helps a, a quarterback. I mean, I guess you can make some arguments, but it's nothing that interests me. I think, you know, I don't, first of all, like I said, I'll be shocked. I mean, I, anything's possible, but I mean, I, I, I just don't see it. And, and I mean, if by the way, going rolling back to Cam Newton, I loved his response when he asked, when he, when he said to the reporters, how many different times can I answer the same question that you guys rephrase? Yeah. Well, listen, it's become, a really huge. I don't know where to go with that. I mean, the 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 Super Bowl has become the hugest event uh, just about every year. It draws crazy ratings, and the reason that it does is because all of the media descends upon this event. And when you have that, you're going to have a, a number of people there um, asking their questions, and so you're going to get the same question over and over and over. So I don't know how frustrated the players want to get. You know, you get to the Super Bowl, you become. You're seen internationally. You have a chance to become an international superstar. So this is just something you're going to have to deal with. When a when a movie star comes out with a movie, they have to go through whole, that whole gauntlet. I forget what the name of it is, and if you if you know it, help me out here. But no, they go through and have to, do, have to do all those interviews and promos. And it's from city to city and state to state and country to country promoing their, their movie. And this is 
pretty much the same thing. I, I think even less so for, for these NFL players. Well, so here's, you here's to be the point, right? You, you and I go to report on the Super Bowl. If I stand up and ask a question that you were interested in hearing the answer to, you can report it as Emil Calamino asked, you know, Cam Newton about it. And, you know, basically as you were sitting there, you don't need to raise your hand and then ask him the same question 15 minutes later. And the other thing is these guys are professionals in the media, many of them from huge outlets. Sit down and think about some questions that are, might be interesting aside from what do you need to do to win the game? I mean, score more points? I don't know. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to get international media, right, who are not going to be entirely uh, versed on the game of football. So you'll get those general questions. Listen, I I was at Long Beach State my second season, and we were coming to play the University of Miami. And while most schools will fly on a charter flight on a 3,000-mile, five-hour trip, uh, when you're a school that's on your way to having the program drop due to lack of funds, what do you do? You fly on a commercial flight, which is what we did to come down to Miami. So lucky me, I did get a window seat, which was great. The only problem was uh, I was next to a foreign couple. I believe they were Polish uh, that I was able to gather from the unwanted conversation that I was having with them. So here was one of the questions that I got during the five-hour flight. Um, yes, uh, when there is a when there is a pile on the field, do you jump on top? So <laughs> I mean. Uh, this this is what I got. So you get international media coming. Um, you know, you get you're gonna get those kind of questions coming at you. So you know, you just gotta grin and bear it. It is part of promotion for your How did you answer particular that? Sport. Did you tell them? Did you tell them I cover people? I try to stay away from the piles. I, I might have mumbled something like yes. I really wanted some shut eye. So they were one word answers. Nice little couple, but not now, please. Not those kind of questions. So that's how that went. Hit them. We should have hit them with a Kevin Hart. Damn, I'm 195 pounds. Have you ever seen some of these guys? I want to stay away from the damn pile. Now let me go to sleep. Yeah, if only I was 195 pounds back then, which I was not. But, yeah, I guess jumping on top of the pile would probably have been my better bet other than being under it. I certainly don't want to be under the pile at no. 100 and whatever, 75 pounds that I was at that time. So. There you go, and there you have it. All right, before we jump into the meet, uh, we have a caller here. Let's take a call. Call you on a great Hey, how you guys doing? This is Robert. This is Robert calling from Michigan. How you guys doing this morning? Nothing much, Good. man. Robert, getting you geared up for the Super Bowl. We are indeed you ready. You get ready for, for it? You got you going to give us a pick before you leave later? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not even a surprise. I mean, I'll give it to you right now. Carolina's going to win. They're we already know what Robert's picking, okay? We already know where Robert's going with this thing. He's not picking Peyton Manning. I know this. I mean, Robert, you know, what scares, you know what scares the hell out of me in this game? I was uh, reading this as I was laying in the sun down here. Uh, 80%. Now, I'm not talking the money. I'm talking the actual physical wagers. Okay, so, you know, if you bet 100000 and I bet 100 bucks, it's one wager apiece. 80% of the wagers they're taking on this game are coming in Carolina. And that... Honestly, I know it sounds crazy because we're supposed to be, you know, analyzing the football, but that fact scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. If someone, if the Broncos win, there's going to be some people that can sit back and, like, live on a private island for the rest of their life off the money they win off of that. <laughs> well, definitely. yeah, it scares me because usually, as you, as you know, when, when you get the masses on any particular event like that's big like this, so so one-sided to one direction. It it just seems like they're wrong. Now occasionally they're right. That that fact really just scares the hell out of me. It it, it feels to me like the Seattle Super Bowl. What's that? I got a scary co-host. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So listen, it does on paper. It looks to me like the Seattle Super Bowl. But where I will say the difference is, and I don't know if you got to hear Sap uh, last week. He wasn't on this week. He made a good point about the Carolina defense that actually dawned on me. They are excellent at taking the ball away. There's no doubt about that. And the linebacker is outstanding. But they really don't shut people down like Seattle. And what I mean by that is, like, so when Seattle wants to, especially when they were playing their best football in the last couple of years, it's almost like they could get you going backwards during a game. Oh, like, yeah. And that doesn't feel like Carolina. Carolina is opportunistic now. Peyton tends to be throwing more picks these days than he used to. 
So that could be a big problem. And we'll, you know, Chad and I, I'm sure, are going to touch on this when we actually go through the game. But I will say that uh, they they also seem to let teams back in the game from time to time. So I don't know if it feels exactly like Seattle to me. Seattle just had that where, you know, listen, Denver, you're not moving the football. We're beating you by 30. Go home. Yeah, the thing is, I hate to be redundant about it, and everybody's kind of being redundant about why. It's not so much the defense there. It feels like Seattle all over because of Cam, just simply playing. He, he's treating the NFL like he's at Auburn still, basically, and that's just if, – if the Broncos had the Manning of a couple years ago, they could kind of get in the shootout because I could see it because Carolina definitely has holes in that secondary if you have the time to throw, and they probably will be able to play a little bit better considering Thomas Davis's injury. I don't think he – if he makes an impact with 12 screws in his arm, let me tell you, that's like man of the year war material right there. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a def- hard injury. As a matter of fact, Chad and Zap t- touched on that. You know, uh, Chad, you can jump in. That's a hard injury to play with just because I, I don't know how you wrap anybody up playing that position, but, you know, I don't know. What do you think, Chad? Hey, um, you know what? I'm going to have my analysis later on. How's that sound? Um, so if we can jump on, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to launch into that right here. I'm just carefully listening to, uh, you two here. Let's, let's Robert talk about national signing day. Is that something that you really, really follow? And how do you feel like your team Notre Dame did? Most definitely. I didn't want to call in. You know, I respect that you guys are Southern show. I know some people are like, this guy's calling in about this Notre Dame stuff. I don't want to hear that right off the bat. So I uh, I really love our class. I mean, they complement some of the some of the things that we really needed. We needed a lot more help in the secondary. Our secondary after the first couple players gets a little scary. I mean, like, I mean, I just don't like having DBs that you can't ever really challenge someone at the lines, third and threes, third and fours, and you're playing 10, 12 yards off and basically conceding the first down. So we need the athletic ability in the secondary. And um, a lot of people didn't like that we went to the AC or kind of or dating the ACC and didn't marry the ACC, but I see why now is because of the ability to recruit down there in the Southern States. And we got a few boys from South Florida. I was going to ask you out of the boys that we got from South Florida, who did you, who, who do you like out of our recruiting class that you've seen that that we got from down your way? None of them. None of them. Wow. (laughs) No, man. Throw me a bone, Uh, man. I just feel like messing with you. Well, first of all, um, you know, I can, I can agree with you uh, with what you said about, you know, help in the secondary. Um, that is an area I think Notre Dame really needs to, 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 to get on and really start shoring that stuff up. You know, that's, that's definitely something that they need to get on because, Hey, you know, you can't have enough DBs. Okay. Um, you, and you, and you kind of knew that was going to be my answer with regard to the two kids you're talking about. Um, well regarded. I don't know a ton about those, those young men, um, you know, ones from Palm Beach don't get, don't study much of, um, you know, Palm Beach County players. You know, I, I know the top yeah. ones. Um, the Studstill kid appears to be a, a pretty good player. And the Spencer Perry kid that you got from IMG, we did play against them. I don't believe he played in the game uh, against us. What you get out of IMG, though, are, are pretty good athletes. So if you can coach them up, you know, you're going to get your money's worth out of him. So, you know, Spencer Perry on film. Now, we I did, in preparing for the game, did see him on film, and he looks to be he looks to be the real deal there. So be happy about that. He's a safety type, not a cornerback. I'm sounding like Mel Kuyper here for – but he's a big, yeah. tall kid, um, pretty well put together. He'll put on weight while he's at Notre Dame. That will happen. Um, but he has, you know, observed him a little bit during our seven-on-seven season last year, and he is, he is a guy that – uh, plays with a lot of passion and confidence, and that's what you want back there. See, the only thing I worry about with us is I've soured on Brian Van Gorder greatly as a coach. He He's seen there's a facet wow. of football coaches at every level. They like they like the mad, mad scientists, like my scheme, the complexities of it are going to trump everything, kind of like Oregon does on offense, in my opinion. Yes. Um, he, I don't like that our best players can't play. Like we had Joe Schmidt out there, middle linebacker. No disrespect to Joe Schmidt. He had a decent year last year, but this guy is little. I mean, he looks like he should be playing at Grand Valley State University or something like that. He's missing tackles all over. 
Oh, so Grand, where is Grand Valley State, by the way? Do you know? I that's know. I'm sorry, I'm a Michigan guy. That's in it's in Michigan. Grand Valley State is in Michigan. Oh, okay, Grand beautiful. Like, I, yeah. I always like like that where they are when I don't know. But <laughs> I listen. Right. I liked your class, and I agree with you on your defense coordinator. Um, you know, I still remember our. You know, you, you know, you and I, Notre Dame team fans, were the game we had with you up there this year. And uh, that was Helton's first game, really. And, I mean, I was just surprised at the ease with, with, that USC moved the football, at least for the first three quarters. Uh, that yeah. that kind of went away in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, they, I mean, they had almost 600 yards against Notre Dame. He, and um, he, raves, he raves about being super complex and having all these different schemes week to week. Like, he really he loves it. Every time you hear him in an interview, he just talks about it, and some players voice their frustration with it. And he was talking about how they were Notre Dame guys and they were smart. There's a difference between academically – I'm not saying it's like there's not a fashion of it that crosses over, but academically smart and reading and reacting on a football smart are – totally like completely different world well, so i don't I'm a believer and you know chad chad's a defensive coordinator he talked more about this but just in general in sports do well being able to repeat it per- perfectly so there's the old i don't know you're you're young and so we're all young for the nfl lombardi at the chalkboard you know and he's basically right. the sweep and he goes we're gonna seal here there's gonna be an alley and, and then and then John Facenda comes in and you know goes on to that voice talk. Yeah, about you it. love that. You love that whole deal. I I, I notice. Um, I love listen, that because I think that's you... really what sports is about. If you can actually listen, there's most teams in every sport, college kind of know what the other is going to do. It's just a matter of can you, do you have the athletes and your game. Period. Execution mostly. Not tricking the other guy. Right. Um, no, sure. watch. But, 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 yo, but don't we, don't we, you know, praise Bill Belichick for that ability to do that? Are we kind of talking out of both sides of our face on this? Well, we praise him because once in a while, listen, I'm not every once in a while you can't define something like, hey, this is a game. I've got to take this guy away. I get that part of being a coach. There's none of that. But I agree with Robert's Dame's defense. Your kids can't play fast if they're out there. You know what? Did you, what did your one of your favorite guys, Chad Yost, to say? You can't same time, with you can play defense and react when you're thinking. If you if you don't yeah, know what you're supposed true. to do, pardon? Yeah, no, you're uh, you're right on that. You're right, and I I don't want to throw that away, but I just do also want to point out that we oftentimes. Um, fall in love with that, and we talk about the great Bill Belichick because he can cook up something when he goes to play Peyton Manning or any other top quarterback and swallows him alive. Blah 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 blah. But you know, I'm I'm kind of with you guys on that. We I do need to move Notre on. Dame, I wish you. I agree with I will say this about Bill Belichick. When he does it, man, like some of the greatest coaches, they like when they make lots of adjustments like that, they're very common sense adjustments. Like like some guys like Brian Van Gorder, he makes radical mad scientist type of adjustments where it's like you just got guys flying here, flying there. For, there's no purpose. You don't feel a purpose with Bill Belichick. For example, last year how he would serve against certain teams, he would basically bracket the, the top receiver with, and then put their, their, uh, Revis on the second best receiver, so now you can you take away both receivers. That makes sense. You can see why someone would do that. Brian Van Gorder just has people doing things just because he likes to be complex, is what I'm saying. It's like an ego thing. It's like a Mike D'Antoni of of football only on the defensive side. Yeah, of the like, ball. Cra- like crazy things. Like, hey, Robert, you're our strong safety. Today we're going to put you at middle linebacker just for fun. Yeah, and and now watch this guy. I, I know you guys got to get the other stuff and get to going. So I'll say this: watch this linebacker that's going to replace Joe Schmidt, named Niles Morgan. You might have seen him already. Know who he is? He's from Chicago. He's like the real life water boy. He's Bobby Boucher. He runs all over the field and just knocks people. I mean, he's an intimidating <laughs> guy. He hits. He jumps off the screen to you, but he couldn't. He didn't get on the field as a middle linebacker the entire season. He was on special teams because I guess he couldn't get guys lined up right or whatever. Brian made when, when he makes a tackle, does he turn around and go, "Mama, get Kyler H He'll be considered if he stays healthy. He'll be considered one of the five hardest hitters in the nation next year by the end of the season if he gets to play off season. He's just one of those type of guys. He's Montez Burfict well, minus the the mental. You know, uh, whatever you want to call it, like this. this well, we'll, be, uh, we'll definitely be 
we'll be looking forward to to seeing if that is indeed true, man. But Robert, uh, always appreciate you calling in. Good insight. Thanks. Y'all have a nice day. Thanks for the call. Have a good weekend. We need to jump into our break. When we get back, we're going to talk National Signing Day. We're going to recap it and talk about some of the uh, things that existed on National Signing Day and give our thoughts on it. We'll do that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! They get the five stars in. They uh, tend to mature them into players that'll 
win championships. I don't know so much about what they do at the next level. Florida State seems to pile up class after class, but they managed to get one championship when they needed a final drive uh, with, you know, a, a minute left on the clock to get themselves a championship. Am I taking a shot, an unfair shot at Florida State there, Emil? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, what you say is factually true. I mean, they had a historic quarterback play for them to win that championship, and it did take a drive. But let's not, you know, let's remember at the end of Bowden's tenure, you know, Florida State had become eight and five. You know, Florida State and you know Fisher's really got them relevant again. Um, obviously, the loss in the bowl game to Houston's a bit disappointing to me. I mean, I know they weren't probably as interested. That would be the excuse, but man, that you know they got it taken to them in that bowl game. So, I mean, you're, it's both fair and unfair. To, you know, and that and that can happen. I think you're you're factually correct, but I do think they've come a long way from uh, what he got at the end of Bowden's tenure when he took over. Uh, true. There's obviously been a change there, and for that, you've got to be happy about it. And I know Florida State fans are. They never take uh, a, a moment's breath not to let us know how happy they are about how things are going. So kudos to them. They do come up with the number two class in the nation, according to 247 Sports. That was uh, – they had one five-star and 17 four-stars. And, well, USC, typically one of those teams that was that would finish in the top five, uh, ended up with the number eight class, which you listen was a great move on signing day because they were you know pretty far out of this thing. Well, well, they had a background good... there just in general where they were. I mean, they had five blue shirts in last year's class because for fans who forget they got off sanctions last year, so they were trying to you know uh, fix that roster quickly. So they signed twenty five kids to last year's class and then five more which are blue shirts. They can enroll in the fall without a scholarship, and then you give them one, and they count against this year's class. So they really only had 20 scholarships to give. And most of these rankings, as you know, are based on points. And if you have 20 and the other team signs 27, they're going to get more points than you. But what's interesting about USC's class is it was tied with Alabama and Georgia almost every service for the quality of the recruits. In other words, what's the average star rating? So – they got some quality kids there, and they, you know, I blew up your phone on Wednesday asking you for reports on two kids from uh, Miami here, from Miami area that actually are, are uh, going out to USC. One was a Florida State commit that flipped. So uh, I, w- I was happy with it, especially given that they fired most of the coaching staff. Um, Helton turned everything over except T. Martin and a couple other guys and end up with the number eight class in a year like that. Go look at Florida and Michigan's classes last year when they were in the middle of coaching changes, nowhere near that. Yeah. Uh, so for that, you do need to be thankful. I continue to be impressed whether it's, you know, uh, it doesn't matter who's coaching the uh, USC Trojans. They continue to be able to come down into South Florida and pull players out of here. So that's, you know, con- Are that's you impressive impressed, though, to me. Because I think that's really just branding. In other words, there's a saying that, that that USC fans like myself use when people try to say a coach is a great recruiter there. The USC recruits USC. I mean, they give too much credit, in my mind, to the USC coaches in general over the years. Always a great recruiter. Lane Kiffin's a great recruiter. Steve Sarkeesian's a great recruiter. Um, I just think it's it's a brand. It's in L.A. Kids are attracted to it. Some you're you're always going to get some good players at USC. I, I just I don't think you have to be a genius to recruit there. Yeah, you know, Emil, I touched on this during my national signing day show. It's that big pig elephant that's in the room and then that is that money game involved in recruiting you know uh, fans will make the accusation quite a bit uh, when a player when they lose a player to another school that is a, a typical accusation that's made and you know it's made so much that people are at the point where they tend to just poo-poo it like okay that's just fans being bitter about losing a recruit but the truth of the matter is that it does happen um, and it's happening at at a bigger rate than it has happened in the past. You know, back in our day when we were young men, um, you know, the top, top guys would, you'd hear about them being offered, you know, money, car, whatever to go play. Now it's, um, it's widespread and it's getting to be more and more. And then sometimes we tend to want to call uh, this individual or this school a great recruiting school or a great recruiter. And then, you know, a lot of times it has something to do with what you're offering 
to that recruit well, family member. Well, I think it does happen. Work. I think where you guys are here located, I think in the deep south it happens because of boosters. Now, the way I see it is this. I'm not saying it can't happen at a Midwest or a West, Western school. I'm sure it does. But I think it's more prevalent because the boosters in the south, as you know, are crazy. I mean, they are so into this. And I think there's some, as I like to say, wink, wink, nod, nod with the coaches that they may not be orchestrating it, but they're not stopping it either. In other words, you know, they just basically turn a blind eye to it and move on. And I think that's where it comes in. At least sure, it's almost seat. become like the norm. Right. In other words, it, they they have plausible deniability. I I don't know. You know, I don't. You know, they could say I don't know. I don't know what they. It's not. He's he's a grown man. I don't know what he does in his spare time. But they're not exactly trying to have a conversation with that grown man and say, listen, you can't be doing this. Um, and, and, you know, I hate to pick on different schools, and so I'm not going to name them. But what I'm going to say is this. I get the feeling with schools, like in other words, if a kid's from an area and he's a big-time recruit and he goes to a school that's maybe not powerhouse, that makes some sense to me because he wants to stay home or whatever, wants his mom and dad to see him play. Where it starts to get a little dubious for me is when I see kids from, say, Texas that are top recruits, and all of a sudden, at the end of the process, they're flipping to a school in the SEC or the ACC that's maybe not a powerhouse. Then I start to say to myself, um, and if it happens more than a couple times, then I'm saying, well, is your campus that nice that, that these kids from Texas and California all of a sudden want to go there? I, I don't know. So that's how I, I usually it, – it's the old, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, there were some accusations thrown out on National Signing Day. Brett Bielema has become more um, famous for things that he's saying in the media than anything that's going on on the field, which, by the way, he's done a you know decent job at Arkansas, but um, has become um, – quite known for sticking his foot in in his mouth uh, on signing day, uh, made this, and I'm paraphrasing here, is just shocking some of the things that are going on in the recruiting trail um, with Florida. They've become the new Ole Miss. Now, when pushed on it, (laughs) he was saying that that, he meant that as a compliment, you know, because Mm -hmm. Ole Miss has started to have some pretty good classes under Hugh Freeze, but come on, Brett. Everyone knows that's not where you were going with that. So you did go. Well, I mean, I've got two problems with the statement. One, half of it, I, I, I'm listening. Ole Miss is under investigation right now. You and I have talked about this privately, you know, and, and on the air. For 50 years, they've basically, you know, they've not been a great program. I mean, they've had years where they won their nine games, and but, but you know, nobody sits around thinking of football powerhouses and says Ole Miss. All of a sudden. By most accounts, they're getting three or four of the top 25 players in the country at a top 10 recruiting class. Um, listen, I, I've got concerns if stuff's going on down there. Now, do I know it? No, so I'm not going to level a charge, but, but they are under investigation. So he may have half of that right, but I don't know how he comes up with Florida there because the coach is brand new. There's nothing in his history at his previous job that says he, you know he was paying kids. And it's Florida. They've won what? three national championships. They've been a powerhouse for the last 30 years. I mean, why is it unusual that Florida's recruiting top kids? I mean, that's not unusual. Yeah, well, when you dig deep into it, um, at the late stage, Florida did beat Arkansas for one of the top receivers in the country, a young man by the name of Tyree Cleveland, and then uh, a junior college cornerback that was headed to Arkansas ended up going to Florida on signing day. So that oh, well, yeah, I couldn't see a kid flipping from Arkansas to Florida. God, that's astonishing. Well, uh, that might have been the genesis of that statement, but nevertheless, uh, there's always accusations and finger pointing and all that. You got to love this about college football, man. The fans are passionate, and this whole recruiting thing drives people crazy. And also, you know, allows me the opportunity to make this – you know, announcement as I, you know, might have did um, on signing day. The uh, Gridiron says, Amal, I'm very, very pleased to uh, announce that that is going to be uh, fully launched on Wednesday. Really, really excited about that. It's an opportunity for the uh, high school football players to uh, create profiles on there and connect with both coaches and fans. This is going to be a really, really great thing, Amal. So I'm looking forward to and this it. Is, looking and this, forward is to all, this is all you know, for Android and Apple? No, right now it's just for Apple. We'll see how it goes. 
with the good old Apple people okay. and um, already in discussions to create it for, for Android users. Sorry, Mr. Android user, man. Well, because, you know, I mean, I got to get my video uploaded. I think the people out there need to see it. Yeah. What is that, a workout in the backyard there? Was there any snow involved? Yeah, in me tossing the ball at my neighbor. You guys will be like, boy, you got some nice snap on that on that throw. Well, hopefully the neighbor was looking at you when you threw that football. But, you know, <laughs> then again, if it wasn't and it hit him in the head the way we are in this in this society, um, that might be something that will go viral. And, and that might. And you know what? Amal, if you think about it, if you were to be throwing that ball to your neighbor and the neighbor was catching it, not really any big deal. But throw that football at your neighbor that was looking the other way and it hits him in the head and knocks him out. That goes viral. You have a chance to get an opportunity with a school on a trial. That's just the way our world works right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd have your son produce it for me. I'd be on, I'd be on national TV. <laughs> Pretty Pretty sad, but that's the way that it goes. You throw the ball at a neighbor who's not looking, knock him out, and then hit a backflip. You are a legit five-star candidate. 47-year-old guy knocks out a neighbor with football, then does backflip. <laughs> with a perfect spiral. Oh, yeah. man. There you go. That would certainly make you better than Peyton Manning, who hasn't thrown a spiral in the last two years. But staying on our national signing day here, just running through the top ten, and again, using 247 Sports today, I'll, you know, I'll use any of a number of uh, websites to do this because I've, you know, I have all these reporters on every Wednesday, but 247 Sports is my choice here. Um, Alabama, number one. Florida State, number two. LSU, who, who coach, listen, Abel, did he or did he not have cardboard boxes in his office towards the end of the year? Les Miles. He did. He ended up with the number three class. And, and help me here because I, I, maybe I misread this, but did they have a class where they didn't take a quarterback or, or did I misread that? Um, I do believe that that is the case. And, uh, How the hell does LSU not really take like a quarterback? What got there. You can always go grab a Juco guy, but that's not really the way to go. But, yeah, no quarterback in the class for the LSU Tigers. That's the reason he but almost had a box. That's why he had boxes in his office, buddy, because cause they can't throw the ball. Um, True, but is that quarterback, or do we want to blame that on Cam Cameron? I don't know. I don't know who we're blaming on that, but nevertheless. Five early enrollees for them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So LSU, the number three rated recruiting class in the country. Ohio State, number four. No shock there. Michigan, number five. The uh, previously mentioned Ole Miss Rebels still doing it, doing it big, getting the people to come out to Oxford. They're at number six. Georgia, number seven. Your USC Trojans, number eight. Auburn slides into the top ten at number nine. And Clemson, number ten. Uh, I don't know. Could Clemson have been a little higher? I I mean, they've done well in the past. They just played in a national championship game. I thought they might have been a little closer to that top five. Well, they five. missed out on some kids at the end. At the end of the process, there was, they were on some lists for, you know, where they were down to the final two or three with a couple kids um, and and just missed out. If, if I'm not mistaken, weren't they down to uh, – didn't Gary, who went to Michigan, the defensive tackle, uh, wasn't he supposedly down to Michigan and Clemson? Yeah, but no one really thought he'd be going to Clemson. We, yeah, I, I was of the feeling that Clemson was thrown in to add a little, you know, you are going to be doing your announcement at ESPN. So there has to be a certain amount of drama involved there, and I thought that's what Clemson was there for. I could be wrong. Perhaps they were a legitimate no, candidate. You're probably, but I you, know, I, you know what goes on in a lot of these, from what I understand, and you correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of these kids give give quiet verbals because schools need to know basically at the end you know, how many kids do I have coming in or I have to get close? So, like, take a school right. like you use my, use my Trojans. They had 13 kids going into signing day. They got 20 scholarships. I, I don't know sure. for certain, in, but in I'm going to guess. Cases, like, yeah, in some cases, Amo, a school cannot send out more um, letters of intent to guys than they're able to sign, if you can understand what I mean. So, yes. um, there's some schools where they just won't let you have 40 letters of intent out there and run yourself into a situation where you have a limit of 25 and then you get 28, 29 kids to sign it and send it in, and then now you've got a problem. So, Well, um, there you know, is the some... other thing is, I'll give you an example. UCLA oversigned this year. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess they put they had 28 or 29. You could tell me, and you have the list in front of you. You're only allowed 25 kids in a class, which tells me at the end of this, a couple of these kids are going to be blue shirts or gray shirts or whatever kind of shirts we're putting on them. I know um, that USC will not allow more over uh, letters of intent 
um, than than they have. So you like in other words, you're never gonna. They had 20. They're not gonna sign 22 kids. They're not allowed. That's just the school rule. So. Yeah, so you you know you can appreciate that and throw that into the mix. Continuing with the top twenty, Texas at number eleven, Charlie Strong. They used to be a staple in the top ten. Um, UCLA yeah, that you mentioned, they're strong. Number- Let's give some credit to pardon the pun. Let's give some credit there. At the end, they they were in the thirties. I mean, they they picked up like eleven kids on signing day. They did, they did, and you know you have to appreciate that if you're a Longhorn fan. I mean, uh, I was talking about them previously being in the top ten. That's when. Texas was, um, you know, up there in terms of performance and on the field. Uh, nevertheless, if you believe in Charlie Strong's ability to coach, you feel good about the number 11 ranked recruiting class in the country. UCLA is 12. Florida at number 13. Florida was in, was sitting at number six going into signing day, kind of limped to the finish, dropping them to number 13. Tennessee, 14. Roberts, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, 15. Stanford. About Stanford being in the top 20 now, uh, number 16, and they for a little bit had the top Pac-12 recruiting class in the country. So Stanford hauling them in all of a sudden. They did it a little bit with both a little bit of quality and quantity. How many how many recruits do they have in that class? Do you have the number there? I do see 26 in total, nine four stars, and uh, 14 three stars. Yeah, that's a nice size class. I mean, they, they they did a good job. You know, he's got a little bit of a challenge. I don't like to – Notre Dame fans overplay the academics a little bit, but Stanford, that's the that's the real deal. You know, you have to have certain scores or they won't let you in there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Baylor, Baylor at 17, Texas A&M 18, Penn State 19, and Oklahoma. Uh, remember when Oklahoma used to have top five, top ten classes every year? They're, they're in there at number 20. So, you know, there you have it. Before we go anywhere from this, let's touch on one thing. It's one thing to say you got a top five class or whatever, a top ten class. Then they have to develop them. So, you know, as much as you and I like to have fun with Stoops and some of his performances over the years in big games, um, he seems to develop his players pretty well because, you know, every year I look up Oklahoma wins 10 or 11 games. Uh, Yeah, absolutely, and and I'm one that believes in that. You've got some places that are all about collecting five stars and 18-year-olds, and they don't do so great of a job of turning the 18-year-old recruit into a 20-year-old, 21-year-old football player, and you've got other places, like a Michigan State, who's the number 22-ranked class in all of the country. Well, you know what? They were your Big Ten champs this year, and they've been at the top of that Big Ten for the last three, four years. So we can talk Urban Meyer. We can talk Jim Harbaugh all we want. Michigan State was your Big Ten champion, folks. So uh, Mark D'Antonio and the, and, the, and the crew over there at Michigan State have done a fine job of developing, not only developing talent that will win the Big Ten championship, but getting guys that can go into the NFL and perform. They've done a great job of that. So, you know. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, you touched on something last year when you got on this subject. You also have to be careful, like, like you know, you've, you've opened my eyes to stuff like South Florida. If I see a kid coming out of here with a three-star or even Southern California with three-star, those areas, they may be a better player than that. But, I mean, these recruiting services, there has to be a little bit of politics going on. You can't have every kid from, you know, Southern California, South Florida, and Texas be your four or five stars, and you got kids in Maryland, and, and they're all three stars. So I have to believe that there's a little bit of that going on as well. That you know, you know, some of the ranking, you know, some of the recruiting grades are a little understated on some of the recruits in certain areas sometimes because there's just so many good players in an area. So you know, I think the co- the good coaches can can find some of those hidden gems that fit their style, their program and develop them on top of it. So that's why I take these ratings with the, you know, they're important, but they're not everything. Let's put it that way. Oh, Emil, you know, I'm uh, big on a lot of this stuff being bogus anyway. Um, it's just a, a, a way for the media to kind of control college football. And, you know, there'll be one day probably coming up here real soon. And I'll talk to you about ratings, how they're developed and um, some of the hocus pocus that goes into it. But again, it's just, um, Guys with a pen and paper trying to have a big say-so of what goes on in one of the big things that we have in this country, and that is college football. So I'm going to just leave it there at that, something we can expand on at a later date. We're going to jump into a break. Super Bowl 50 is going to be the talk when we get back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. You folks stay with us. Ah. 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 
Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. O-M-G. Look at all of this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. The Gridiron Stud Show on a Friday, football Friday here, and this is the biggest game of them all. It is Super Bowl 50 and 5-0. Can you believe that? 50 of these things. Did you like the picture I sent you from, from, from Super Bowl One, where there was a guy lighting up a cigarette at halftime? Oh, listen, uh, people don't realize how much the game has changed. How unenlightened... We were as a country back then to uh, to think that lighting up a cigarette I a was somehow Kansas City Chief. I want. I believe that was Len Dawson, but I'm not 100 percent certain. Uh, sitting on a folding chair at halftime in the locker room, lighting up a cigarette with a beer down on the floor. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, we've changed a little bit over the years, and so has the game. Um, I believe tickets back then were what to the Super Bowl. You know who I like to follow is uh, Darren Robell. He might have some information on that. He's uh, uh yeah, he's good. I guess what you like call that. He is. He is. Things have changed quite a bit from from uh, from that time, so we can just in, enjoy it. Uh, what do they say? You know, before we jump into that, what's the cost of a thirty-second segment this year? Do you happen to know it? I I, I don't, but I mean, I I'm gonna guess if I had to take a shot at it, I'm gonna guess it's probably two or three million bucks somewhere in there. Um. The price to get into this football game hovering around $3,000 right now, um, between $2,500 and $3,000. So go sit your behind in those seats and watch this thing. Yeah, don't you think that's a little bit of just just wanting to say you were there? Because, frankly, the best seat for these kind of games, as far as I'm concerned, is in your living room. Yeah, with each and every year with the improved, um, you know, viewing experience from home, um, this that's going to be the case each and every year. So it really is just about, you know, I guess they know that this is an event at this point, and that's just a whole lot of what you're saying there. Um, just trying to say that you were there. That's all that boils down to. That's why I see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, frankly, I, pers- I, mean, I understand somebody who's got that, you know, a very wealthy person where that's 
you know, they're carrying that around the glove compartment of their car. But I, I couldn't be bothered to to ever consider spending that amount of money to go sit in the stadium. I prefer it on, you know, even being down here for the weekend, you know, I'll, I'll go find a place that, you know, they, they have big, big screen TVs and a little party going on. That's more fun than paying three grand to sit somewhere where I can't see the game and I have to look up at the big board anyway. Well, let's jump into the actual game on the field. Uh, we need to make a pick on this thing since, since Amal. And uh, I'm not gloating. I'm just pointing and stating the facts. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that could go on on this field on uh, Sunday that would have you surpass me in our little handicapping thing that we have going here every year. Because of that, you, I'm going to You do have a game and a half lead, but just consider one thing. I stepped in early in the season and gave you a half game because of a commissioner's decision on injury. So I, I helped lead to my own demise, just so you know. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the truth comes out here as we head into Super Bowl 50. So, I don't know. Maybe we can um, get this to within a half game and we can talk about all that good what stuff. What are the lines but, yeah, on the I'm game right now? Do you have that in front of you? What's that? What's the line on the game? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, the line on the game, the – the last line here right now is Carolina, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Denver Broncos. Which way are you going on Super Bowl 50? I've been back and forth. You know, when this first came out, I was I was kind of starting off really where Robert, our caller, was at earlier. I mean, I just looked at what had happened. Uh, you know, I said, geez, I said exactly what he said. This feels like Seattle and Denver to me, you know. And then I started, you know, listening to staff that day and looking at the game a little bit harder. And I'm, I sit there and I say to myself, Carolina, you know, their defense is predicated on turning the ball over. I do think mm-hmm. that Peyton understands what he is at this point in his career and is going to take mm-hmm. special measure not to do that, especially early in the game where we can get one of those snowball effects, which Carolina's had in their last two games. They've gotten a huge lead against Seattle and Arizona, and they've had a hold on for dear life. I think the line's reflective of a little bit of psychology. The last time we saw Denver, they were stopping a New England two-point conversion, and the last time we saw Carolina, they were beating the Cardinals by 34 points. Cautionary tale, the Cardinals kind of limped to the finish this year. They lost their last game of the season to Seattle by 30 points with home field advantage on the line potentially as the game started. They then won a playoff game in overtime, and then they got beat by 34 points uh, by Carolina. So I I think we may just have a little bit of an inflated line here. Um, We have Denver has the best defense in the league. Denver's defense, as far as shutting people down, is a better defense than Carolina's. And if you look what they did to New England, you, you can see that. New England got four field goals and 18 points in that game, and that's a very good offense up there. So I'm going you know, to go against the grain here. I'm gonna, you know, everybody's all over Carolina. I told you 80% of the, the bets are coming in in Vegas on Carolina. Looks too easy to me. I'll grab the five-and-a-half. Um, I think Carolina is going to win a tight ball game here, 23-20, I'm going to call it. Carolina, maybe even a Denver upset as Peyton goes out on top. I just think there's too much of a bandwagon mentality on Carolina blowing them out right now. Yeah, well, Amos, it should come as no surprise with you based on some of the things that you said. And I'm, I'm going in the same direction with the game. Um, I believe that um, – the line is a little bit pumped up. I think one way or another, Emil, we're, we're headed for a close game in this, whether it's a little back and forth or it's another one of those deals where Carolina gets way out in front and Denver comes back in it. Carolina has shown the ability to allow teams to get back in the game. And the way that Denver can run things, if Peyton Manning gets into Peyton Manning mode, and, and they can get back into a football game. So I don't think we're looking at a blowout. I do like Carolina to win the game. I, I feel actually more solid about Carolina winning the game than I do about this actual pick. I think we're looking at a final of like a 28-24, 24-20, something in that range. Um, I think we're headed for a good Super Bowl. Some people may want to call it a blowout. I don't think it's that. I do think Carolina is super motivated, though, because of the way that they're painting the two quarterbacks, a whole good versus evil thing. Cam is very good at leading his team. I think the team's going to come really hard to his defense, and I think they're going to end up being your Super Bowl champions. But I think one way or another, we're headed to a close game whether that's a comeback by Denver that falls short or a whole nip and tuck thing. So I'm going with Denver with the points, but I do like Carolina to win this game. And that's that's a quick wrap, man. We're up against it. How about that? We did all this in an hour. So Amo likes Denver to points. I like Denver to points. I like Carolina. Do you like Denver to win real quick before we go? Uh, no, I said, I think, you know, generally speaking, a field goal, I mean, I could Denver winning, but I'm going to go 
as far as the outright, but I think Denver will cover. Uh, it's a lot. Five and a half, six points at game time. It could be six. That's Both games are decided by three, four points if you look at it every Sunday. All right. Well, there you have it. We both like Denver on the with the whole gambling angle, angle of it, but we uh, both think Carolina is going to be your Super Bowl champ. We're going to leave it at that. It's Amo Calamino. It's Chad Wilson. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Good Eye Stud Show. You folks, enjoy your weekend. Oh, Can you?